Hi everybody, just a note from me, Rhiannon, to say that my new supplements company, Hurrah, is finally here. It's taken years to get this off the ground. Retrition Plus is evidence-based, rooted in science, focused on you, and we offer vitamin D sprays, folic acid spray, and a vegan multivitamin. So head over to retritionplus.com for supplements you can finally trust. Hello, thank you so much for tuning into this week's Food for Thought, a podcast that's on a mission to equip you all with the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, a registered nutritionist, Sunday Times bestselling author and founder of the Harley Street Clinic Retrition and Evidence-Based Supplements Retrition Plus. In each episode of the 12 episodes, I'll be joined by guests, all of whom are experts in their field. So together, we can learn fact from fiction, empower ourselves to become the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. Now the rise in plant-based eating is literally booming. And thanks to its many benefits, And now more recently, of course, the phrase plant points, I think a lot of people have a heightened interest in the subject. So it's just the beginning as plant points for good reason are definitely set to dominate nutrition and the way that we eat. So this week's Food for Thought is such a pleasure for me as it sees one of the retrition clients, gut health dietitians, Catherine Rebess. So Kath and I are going to delve deep into what plant points are, the true impact that plant points have on our gut health, and of course, in turn, how they can elevate our overall health. Hello, Kath. Hi, Ray. How are you? It's so nice to be back. Oh, what a pleasure to be talking to you. I know that we've both had pretty full-on few months, to be honest, and today's subject is going to be, it's your jam, it's your vibe, it's everything, isn't it? <laughs> I'm so excited for our chat today. Good. Well, let's start off with something that I think will give our listeners um, lots of food for thought, excuse the pun, but where does this number 30 come from? I think we're all talking about plant points and it can be very, very confusing for people. 30 can seem overwhelming. Yes, it can. Um, So there was an incredible study that was done by the American Gut Project, um, which was actually linked with the UK and Australia too. And it was a huge, huge, huge study. I mean, there was over 10,000 people that were involved, pre-samples sent from all over the world. Um, And these samples were tested using microbial DNA sequencing. And what they wanted to do in this study was to be able to see whether the microbiome itself could actually be adjusted based on dietary intake. And what they found from this study was that those that were having larger amounts of plant diversity was actually showing a huge amount of diversity in the gut itself from more short chain fatty acids in the gut, but also they could see an improvement with overall health too. So that's where that 30 plants come from because they compared it to people that were having 30 different types of plant foods in their diet versus those that were having less than 10 and the diversity was huge. Yeah. And just to interject quickly for, for everybody that may not know, short chain fatty acids, what, how would we describe those to people that don't know? 
Yeah, so they are these incredible beneficial compounds, which are actually found in the gut. The gut microbes use them as fuel to be able to do many of its functions. So whether that be functions of, you know, hormone regulation, um, thinking about the gut brain access and support with those chemicals that are involved with the transmissions and communications between the gut and the brain, our immune function, they have so many beneficial properties that help support the, the gut microbes and they give that fuel essentially to them. Yeah, no, it's, it's so, I find it so fascinating that we have this whole other system in our body and we think about what we eat every day, but we don't think about the fact that what we're eating is also feeding them. It's a, um, it's an amazing concept, I think, to get our heads around. So how can everybody ease their way up to 30 then? Because 30 is a lot of different foods and people might be thinking, well, hang on, cost of living at the moment, there's lots of factors to consider. Yeah, such a good point. And I would say a good place to start is thinking about variety. So rather than the actual number itself, I know sometimes people can get quite transfixed on on that number. If you're thinking about variety and colours, that's a really quick win and a great way of actually increasing those plant points. So an example would be a different variety of an actual plant itself. So if we look at frozen broccoli and purple sprouted broccoli, that's two different varieties two different plant points there so that's one way uh different colors you know a green apple and a red apple would be two different plant points two different types of plant points which is good Um, and that would be the same for like a purple carrot orange carrot red pepper yellow pepper so having lots of color is really really helpful the other thing is you know it doesn't have to be fresh You could go for dried, you could go for tinned, it can be frozen, they all count too. And we're not just talking about fruits and veg here, we're also talking about whole grains, we're talking about nuts and seeds, we're talking about pulses, beans, even extra virgin olive oil, tea, coffee, herbs and spices, they all count to the plant points and a lot of people aren't aware of that. So where possible, adding in those to your diet is a great way of boosting up those points too. Um, Something for the listeners to bear in mind is that any sort of refined sugars, so anything which is not like a whole food or a whole grain does not actually count. So juices don't count to your plant points um, and white grains like white rice or white pasta wouldn't count because it's had its grain, the whole grain actually removed in the process of creating it. So that's just something to bear in mind. So going for like brown rice instead yeah, absolutely. I think that's really important to note because, you know, people might be thinking, oh, I'm eating all these vegetables, all these grains and pulses, but you're, you're right in the sense that... So if that is the case, have you ever been asked by our clients, of course, you work for us in the Retrition Clinic and we're so lucky to have you um, helping with gut health in there. And have you ever had anybody say, well, hang on a minute, is this worth triple points? I don't know, like kefir because it's a super fermented food. Is it a triple pointer? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to say that it is, but honestly, I think when we're thinking about fermented foods, of course, you've got those amazing uh, probiotics in there, those live cultures, which are beneficial for the gut microbes. They're great. But when it comes to actual plant points themselves, it's about remembering the whole food itself. So if we're thinking about kefir, you know, 
depending on how it's made, there may only actually be one serving, one portion of a whole food in there. But if we were to think something like a homemade raw kimchi or a sauerkraut, depending on how much different types of cabbages put in there, garlic, onion, that could also boost up the points too. So this brings me on to the point that I think there's a danger here, as much as I love the concept of plant points, is there a danger of oversimplifying food again, like we have done previously with calorie counting? Like, do we want to be also very aware of, for instance, I don't know, the polyphenols or as in antioxidants for our listeners, already powerful compounds? Do we want to simplify food to points or should we be paying more attention at the same time to the colours, the textures, you know, the goodness that all those natural compounds give us? Absolutely agree, Ree. I think we do need to focus on polyphenols, focus on the, you know, foods that contain natural prebiotics or added live cultures, probiotics, because that is how we can then increase our diversity of our foods and help to boost those plant points as well. You know, polyphenols are amazing for our gut microbes they you know as you said they're an antioxidant so they've been proven to help with you know reducing the development of cancers and cardiovascular disease and diabetes but and they play such a powerful role in the gut so we can't just stick to that one-sided right 30 points we do need to make sure where we're getting them from also can you know are rich diverse sources to then increase get those polyphenols in the diet and and, and get those um other types of goodness too yeah absolutely have you ever had any cases in your clinical practice in the work that that you do which is incredible where you've seen such a huge difference or huge results from somebody just just seeing food as what can you add in more of those amazing benefits um i just wondered if you've ever you know had a huge success story in that way yeah and it make it fills me with so much joy because often people do come to me in clinic restricting much because they're worried about their gut symptoms and, and having that fear but you know the gut is such a powerful organ and those microbes love to be well fed so by having that additional amount of fiber from you know incorporating more plant points people are going more regularly. I've know, I've seen people that have not gone you know, for one to two weeks opening, going for a period to then going every single day, which has, you know, helped their over skin. It's actually helped in terms of their mood as well. I've seen such a, a shift by just incorporating more plant points into their, you know, plants into their, into their week. Great. Yeah, that, it's incredible. And I guess um, there's a lot of conversation at the moment surrounding, you know, female health in particular as well. And of course, it's beneficial for men and women, isn't it? The whole, um, you know, get more fiber, get more variety into the diet. But what about around um, menstruation or different times of women's cycles or things? Perhaps plant points can be more of a help there because digestion slows down and speeds up at various points, I'm, I've been told. Yes, you're right. And you know, it can also impact and the overall nutrient density of the foods as well. It can, you know, when with the gut microbiome, we know that a lot of the hormone regulation and estrogen is involved with with the gut microbes. Um, and of course, when we're thinking about our menstrual cycle, estrogen is is affected. It drops. It goes up. It goes down when we're having these hormone changes during our cycle. So by actually 
incorporating more of these great plant-based foods, you know, foods rich in fiber, we can help the, the gut microbes with that function and help with that regulation of hormones and estrogen as well, which are involved in the menstrual cycle. Oh, it's so fascinating. Kath, I, love, I, I just think, imagine... Imagine if we, um, everyone knew this, and then of course when women also then, sorry for the men listening, but I, th- I think it's quite an important subject that then women <laughs> hit menopause and that estrogen isn't there in the same quantities anymore, surely the diet's then going to equally play such an important role in helping helping with things that we've maybe taken for granted a little bit before in terms of digestive health. Yeah. Yep, you're right. And with that dramatic drop in the estrogen, which then impacts you know our bone density it impacts so many different other symptoms some of the hot flushes that you might experience bloating that you might experience and we do know that the gut actually plays such a big part in 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 the involvement of managing that and when we're thinking about the plant diversity you know a lot of the foods that we suggested there have the studies have shown to be really beneficial with helping with the symptoms um, with menopause so it's a win-win I think. Oh it's brilliant I, we have to definitely squash all those myths out there because I'm sure there are so many of them when it comes to plant-based eating or misconceptions around it as well and for our listeners to make a start then what would be your top tips if they're going to the supermarket okay so they want to go tomorrow let's say um, Sam is listening now and she's like I'm gonna go to the shops tomorrow I'm gonna start getting my 30 points a week um, what aisles would you recommend or what's a good way to build up that diversity? Okay, so first thing, get to the fruit and veg aisle, of course, um, and choosing lots of colour. Don't just stick with greens, you know, the, the brighter the fruit or vegetable, whether it be reds, oranges, purples, blues, we know that these foods are very rich in polyphenols. Like a red cabbage has three times out of polyphenols against a white cabbage. So, you know, going for lots of colour is really important when we're thinking about fruits and veg. Um, but also going And red to, cabbage tastes so much better than white. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and... Going, you know, if we go, like if I'm in the supermarket with you, I would then be going over to the whole food section and I'd be going to the pulses, the beans, the legumes, the nuts, the seeds, uh, you know, getting them on offer. Usually they are on offer, which is great. And we're thinking about the cost of living too. You know, it tinned is just as good. Um, you can also buy dried as well. But of course there is that little bit longer that you have to plan for in terms of soaking overnight and boiling ahead of actually cooking so if you're short for time the tinned is just as good um, and that's goes for the same with fruit and veg as well tinned is fine frozen is great and you know certain frozen veg actually has higher nutrient value to fresh spinach being a perfect example too so absolutely going for fresh frozen then looking at your whole grains now it's important to I don't want to demonize food at all, Ree. You know, that's not what we do. But, you know, trying to go for whole grains, which are whole foods. So we don't want to be looking at white bread um, and industrialized types of breads and rices and things like that. Going for the whole grain varieties, whether that be wild rice, brown rice, you could get those microwave multi-grain packets, which have quinoa. You know, they've got all different types of grains in there. That's such a 
quick and easy way of getting more grains into um, nuts and seeds, whether it is big bad mixed nuts and seeds, dried fruit, like it, there's just so many options. I mean, how long have you got? Lots of herbs, lots of spices, <laughs> incorporating all, incorporating those within your diet. And, you know, you can make, you can actually do your own herbs, having them on your windowsill, growing them yourself. You could also freeze fresh herbs as well. Um, and they freeze really well. And that's what I do because I'm not someone who can keep them in the house I just freeze all my herbs I chop them up I freeze them and then when I need them I just take them out of the freezer love that that's brilliant do you know it, when you were um getting enthusiastic about the whole grains there which which I love I know I'm um, such a nerd. I was thinking yeah it's great it's great you have to be I think we all are in the retrition <laughs> clinic as well we're like yes I had the most amazing bread I found the other day from xyz but I think this approach to food is so healthy and refreshing because for so many years, the generation above us has just been told, restrict, 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 go for these diet products, these ultra processed, all these products. Whereas we're saying, try everything, get all these colors in, you know, get all these whole grains, get these spices and herbs, get the flavor going, because that's what food should be all about. So really, this plant Point, I'm not going to say approach, it's this amazing research we have, and it's a really positive one. I think it's great for relationships with food. What do you think? I totally agree. And that's why I'm so enthusiastic about it, because, you know, often dietitians, nutritionists, we do get that branding of, oh, you're going to tell me to cut this out, or I can't have that. But, you know, with the plant points, it's all about adding in. It's, it's how much can you add in, getting more, getting more. And that's, that's really what's going to help diversify the, the gut microbiome as well. Yeah, absolutely. I just think it's such a fascinating area. Now, there's a few red flags because a lot of people seem to be jumping on board gut health at the moment in general because it's trendy. And with that, I've seen a huge rise of supplements left, right and center and test kits and all sorts of things. Now, what would be your, um, sorry to put you on the spot here, I did. I haven't thrown any of these questions at you, we're just having this great conversation about gut health, which I love, but what are your red flags, if you were to give maybe a few red flags to what people should be very wary of at the moment, um, I think collagen might perhaps not be a miracle for gut health, I don't know, what, what do you think? Yep, yep, absolutely, there's not really any studies to support you know, having collagen in the diet to help improve gut health. That's the same with apple cider vinegar as well. You know, the, the research out there has only been based on weight loss um, and uh, also insulin levels as well and helping to regulate blood sugar. There's no research to link apple cider vinegar and digestive health and improving digestion. So that's another, I mean, if you love it, have it you know definitely incorporate it within your diet but it's not going to be a quick fix and that's the same for any sort of juice cleansers that you might see online uh de-bloat supplements the you know these types of things are are often not backed exactly or they're not they're not often backed by you know any sort of clinical human studies or science to to sort the claims so that's just something to re I would say is one of the biggest red flags yeah. to, to be aware of yeah oh honestly the amount of things we see at the moment especially on social media platforms it's quite worrying um anyway whole different subject but can you have too much of a good thing? And that's the question when it comes to fiber, because a lot of people will say, oh, I've changed my diet and I'm having now so much fiber. 
am I having too much? Is it possible? Um, that's a really good question. I don't think I don't think so. I think, you know, it's about having different types of fibre, whether that comes from resistant starches. So what resistant starches are exactly as, as they say, they're types of carbohydrates which actually um are difficult to break down. They're resistant to break down, but they be good for the gut microbes. They love those. You know, looking at soluble fibre, insoluble fibre. I don't necessarily think you can have too much fibre, but what I would say is when you're incorporating more fibre into your diet, do it slowly and gradually because the gut microbes need time to adjust and they need time to produce enough to be able to break the, break it down sufficiently. If you do it very quickly, you are going to lead to having, you know, troublesome tummy. Maybe there might be a change in your in your boom going quicker you know going more um you might find that you have a bit more wind as well so i think trying to do it gradually and slowly is more important than actually could i be having too much and you know fiber we know has is is great there's so much research to support that it helps with reducing cardiovascular disease we know that it helps with regulating blood sugars it's bit we know that it can help with actual weight loss as well like it has so many remarkable um, functions. So the more we can get in our diet, the better. Amazing. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So I guess it leads on to the question everyone really is confused about even more so at the moment, which is the subject surrounding meat and the consumption of animal products. And then you've obviously got plant products alternatives. So, um... And what do you call them? I guess plant-based options, um, you know. But there's a confusion. Are these ultra-processed? Are they okay to consume? What would you say, Kath? What's the lowdown on meat, meat-free alternatives? Um, so in regards to the plant points and increasing your plant points, it's not about, uh, if, you are, if you do eat animal products, it's not about stopping that or cutting those out. You can continue to have animal products in your diet um, you know increasing your plant points is about increasing your plant points it's not about taking away from meat or animal product if you do but what I would say is that you know an overall improvement to the diversity in your gut microbiota is focusing on different types of of diet of fiber sorry but also you know with that study that i mentioned earlier they found that that improvement with plant diversity was not about whether you ate meat or you were vegan or you were vegetarian so that, that goes without saying but a good way of being able to consume more plant-based foods naturally be trying to reduce the amount of meat in your diet. So, you know, if it's like a, creating a lentil bolognese instead or incorporating a casserole but adding more beans in versus adding in more uh, meat, that would be a really good way of incorporating more whole foods and, you know, dietary fibre from to meet those plant points. When it comes to the 
uh, meat-free alternatives, unfortunately, a lot of them are ultra-processed and they're factory-made. They may have, you know, soya protein or they may be made with pea protein, for example, um, or microprotein, which is, which is good. Um, and, of course, that would constitute as, you know, a form of, of plant. However, because of the processing to create that, that actual product, unfortunately, it means that there are emulsifiers added, there are additives included, and these then mean that the food actually ends up being ultra processed. And we can't get plant points from ultra processed foods. It's all about the whole food. So where possible, if you are following a plant based diet or you're vegan or vegetarian, try and just create your own sort of black, you know, black bean burgers, for example, or, you know, if it's meatballs, try and create your own lentil based or flaxseed mixed meatballs instead. That would be a better option than actually buying those alternatives. Where it's so interesting because there's so many yummy delicious alternatives out there now which is a positive thing of course but um yeah of course we should try and cook as much as I think as much as we can and I guess the questions arose arose in my head when you were, when you were talking about plant points again and I guess it's the five a day messaging do you think we've lost I mean we never re- reached it anyway let's be honest the UK, I think it's 27 percent the last national nutrition survey <laughs> 27% got their five a day, which is bad. It's really bad. And I just think perhaps plant points is a more positive message. Or do you think it's just overwhelming because it's 30? People are going to be like, oh God, this isn't even five. This is 30. I think we need to focus on both. Um, I know that we haven't got, like you said, many people haven't even reached the five a day, but that was specifically to fruit and vegetables. And when we're talking about 30 plant points, we're not just talking about fruits and vegetables. We are talking about the grains, the seeds, the nuts, you know, beans, pulses, and that can be a lot easier to actually manage and achieve versus just focusing on fruits and veg. Yeah no it, it makes sense and I suppose also there's other benefits here aren't there that we haven't discussed yet. Let's talk about links between gut health and of course plant points or diversity of the diet and your immune system. Let, let's touch on that because of course they're so closely inter- interlinked. Yeah the amount of research that has been done into the gut microbiome is crazy and it's one of the fastest growing um you know, bodies of research in nutrition in the last century, right? Like the last 100 years. That's how fast it is growing. So, you know, back to your question about the immune systems and and the gut, we know that via the gut immune axis or the gut immune connections, that um, 70%, 70% of the entire immune system resides in the gut alongside all the trillions of gut microbes, which is huge so when we're thinking about our immune health we also need to think about our gut microbes and the functions that they do because they are involved with making sure that we are not exposed to pathogens that could potentially lead to infections and diseases Um, the gut microbes need the fiber and they need the fiber to then be able to support producing those short chain fatty acids we spoke about before. Those short chain fatty acids actually regulate, support the regulation of the immune system. 
so one a, a study that's been done is on butyrate specifically and and what we know about butyrate which is a short chain fatty acid is that it's a fuel for gut cells in the actual gut lining the wall of of the gut and it reduces the permeability by actually keeping it secure and in a tight structure and stopping it from opening which can lead to something called leaky gut and if we're experiencing that it can cause the bacteria and food molecules that should be retained in the gut to then travel out to the bloodstream which then leads to a bit of an immune response and that immune response is inflammation and if there is inflammation, it, it's the body telling you that there's been some form of attack and that low level inflammation can then lead to many uh, diseases and conditions that we're, you know, that are associated to yeah. that. So, yeah, that has such huge... Part. It all links back to it. It's, fa- it's so fascinating. It's at like the core fundamental. So we, what we've always known, which diet impacts our health, it really impacts our health. But I suppose, how do people know that, I mean, leaky gut's a bit of a question mark, I know, anyway, in our industry, especially in terms of how, how would somebody know, Kath, if, if, they, if they had it? What, how would they know? So leaky gut is not an actual diagnosis. It's a type of symptom. Um, and it's important that people are aware of. So you would be experiencing potential tummy problems. So it might be that you've had a change in your bowel habit. You might be experiencing bloating. You might have you know, abdominal pains, and that would then lead you to go and speak to your doctor um, to get that looked at. And that would be the best way of identifying if there is something else going on in your gut, which is then leading to the leaky gut symptom. Um, I hope that sort of yeah. answers the question. Absolutely, because I think so many people are told, again, pseudoscientifically on the internet that they've done a test kit and always come back with, I've got a diagnosis of leaky gut, which we know is is a big question mark and red flag. Um, and you've explained that beautifully. And I think just one final question from me before we go on to uh, questions from our listeners. And I think with uh, the rise in um, current illnesses, for instance, obesity conditions of like type 2 diabetes, all, all interlinked, metabolic, um, Alzheimer's even now. <laughs> Would plant points potentially benefit a reduce in this, you know, a reduced number of these conditions occurring, do you think? Um, I can't really answer that question. I wish I, wish I could. I'm not a scientist who worked, I said, I wish I was a microbiome scientist, but I, I can't answer that question specifically. But but what the, the human studies that have been done so far, it's extremely positive. And, you know, I think there d- does need to be larger spectrum studies. There does need to be longer studies, too, to be able to really definitively answer that question. But what we do know is that that diversity of the gut microbiota is so important with those key communication pathways, which can lead to you know that if there is a bit of a dysfunction there or disruption i should say you know it can then lead to other problems in the in our overall health so that's what we do now. wow well there we go i mean gosh watch this space is all we can say there i think now we've got lots of questions from listeners i'm just having a look to see what we've discussed that um isn't going to cross over so 
Oh, we did touch on this at the beginning, but with apple cider vinegar. Um, <laughs> and actually, we should probably clarify that as well, that it's not a miracle for weight loss. But Janie has said, will eating a plant-based diet help me lose weight? Um, so that's a good question. I think although we're focusing here on plant points and we're focusing on plant diversity, there are other factors that need to be taken into consideration here. We need to think about exercise. We need to think about, you know, stress levels. You need to think about the types of uh, dietary fiber you're consuming, reducing those ultra processed foods is all important when you're thinking about, you know, the overall goal of weight loss. And it's quite hard to say that just by increasing plants in your diet will do that. You do have to factor in other things. Yeah, too. and I'd also add that, you know, it doesn't mean you're healthy if you eat plant-based as a definition, which I think will be confusing. I know we're talking about plant points here, but you can be a very unhealthy plant-based eater. You can have vegan donuts and everything. You can just eat it all. So, I mean, a lot of junk food and things that we define in that way is now available for all dietary requirements. So that's something, and this is a good point. Beth um, has asked, um, I follow a vegan diet, so I'm eating a lot of plant-based foods already, she said. Is there any harm in me going over 30 points a week? Not that I'm aware of, and I think if you can, go for it. And the last question, I really want to discuss this in a little bit more depth. Um, and this is from Will. Oh, it's a good question, Will. Will, I've heard that certain gut health supplements have a similar effect on our guts as eating more plants. So I think he's just referring to, you know, like a probiotic or something. Is this true? Okay, so when it comes to probiotics, so firstly, let me explain what probiotics are. So probiotics are live cultures which... Um, are beneficial for our gut microbes and you can find these in a wide range of foods but you could also get them in supplements too. Many probiotics don't actually reach the gut alive because of the acidity in the stomach unfortunately kills them. So the first thing to bear in mind here is when we're talking about supplementing with probiotics you need to be taking the right strain and the right amount of probiotic live cultures to support what you're taking them for. Because probiotics are widely researched and the benefits are based on specific conditions. So as an example, if you suffer with IBS or you suffer with um, migraines, there have been research that has done specifically on strains that can improve those symptoms associated to those conditions by taking X amount of that probiotic. Now, we can't recommend probiotics for just general health because there's no research to support that. So what I would say is when we're thinking about supplements, make sure you're taking them for the actual condition itself and not the actual um, general health. Yeah. No, really, really, really good to touch on that because there's so many now on the market and I think there's been a huge rise. But, Kath, I'm going to move on to our fact or fiction round. I'm so excited. Okay, number one. Plant-based eating means no animal products are allowed. Fact or fiction? Fiction. Increasing your plant intake causes bloating. It's a bit of both. 
facts, but also it's facts. It's facts. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it's so hard. Fact fiction is so hard. And um, eating unhealthy food will outweigh the benefits from plant foods. Fact. Following a plant-based diet is more expensive. Fiction. Good. That's great news for everyone. Um, whole grain varieties are better for our gut than white varieties. A plant-based diet will speed up your metabolism. Oh, fiction? I'm not sure on that one. It's interesting. We'll touch on that after this round. Um, kombucha contains a lot of sugar. Fiction. Eating a plant-based diet will give you better skin. Fact. Consuming more plant-based foods will increase your blood pressure. Fiction. And finally, plant-based diets are packed with nutrition and you don't need to supplement. Bang! <laughs> Brilliant. That was a fab, pl- a fab fact or fiction round. And um, let's touch on um, supplements at the end. Of course, you don't if your diet's really good. But if you are vegan, which isn't plant-based, just to add, because people get that confused all the time, you probably do because you're not consuming any B12 probably and other, you know areas and metabolism let's touch on why we said that plant-based eating may potentially i mean the, the phrase speed up metabolism is confusing enough for people anyway isn't it Kath? it's just how I we think consume that's what drew me i was like oh yeah. i'm not sure on that one it's it's i think it's good to discuss because there is no i mean i, I suppose logically metabolism is how we burn food how we burn our energy and what goes on inside our body where our proteins carbs and fats are processed so I suppose if you have more dense nutrition it will have to get more efficient and could speed up is that your school of thought yeah 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 absolutely I think you're right there and also there is the the gut metabolism axis which we didn't even talk about which is another thing that the gut microbiota is also involved in but I don't know much on that to be honest to talk about it but yeah I think you're right you know that that dense nutritious foods the body has to work that bit harder to break them down so of course we should it should actually increase our metabolism I love that. My next CPD, I'm going to try and find something on that. That's fascinating. Oh, isn't it just? Because it makes sense. Of course, we've got living organisms inside us. If we feed them well, then our whole body will function better. It blows my mind. But, Kath, I'm so sad because that does wrap up the episode. But we always finish with a take-home message, our food for thought. Um, and firstly, it's so it's so good to be back chatting with you outside of clinic. And I know that you've recently, of course, had your little baby boy as well. And it's just... It's full on. And I think one thing we should have mentioned, which I'll start with as my food for thought, is that plant-based eating is for children too. You know, you want your kids just as much as yourself to get more variety into their diet where possible. And I think when it comes to increasing the number of plants that we eat, perhaps, um, you know, just try and get one new item a week. It doesn't have to be rocket science, just... Kathy used the example of these grain pouches and I love those grain pouches. They're so quick and they're so easy. I don't have to have five different saucepans on the on the hob, one with quinoa and one with rice and <laughs> one with lentils. <laughs> but you know, pulses, it's it's utilize what's there if you are able to, and it doesn't have to be expensive. Utilize the fro the frozen aisle, the freezer. Um yeah, I'm I'm rambling, Kath. I'm sure your take-home message is going to be more eloquent than mine today. <laughs> oh, I love that. I thought that was great. Um, one thing I will say is 
you know, following a plant-based diet does not mean that you have to stop having animal products, okay? You know foods are completely off limit when we're thinking about trying to hit that 30 points. What we should really be focusing on is the nutrient quality of our foods and making sure that they're whole foods, you know, unrefined, then they've not had those grains removed from them. And just where possible, sticking with that different types of variety and those different types of plants is, is really, really key. And when we're thinking about gut health, we need to feed our gut to improve its health. So not restricting and just trying to incorporate as much as possible. Oh, it's wonderful. Kath, I've enjoyed this so, so much. And as we both discussed there, it's just so exciting, this new... And it is new, no matter what people say, gut health is going to be on our lips for a long time um, to come. And I really hope that our listeners took a lot away from this. And where can they go to find out more about your lovely self and what you do? Yeah, well, you can check me out on Instagram. My name's at CAF, which is C-A-F Dietitian. Um, I also do clinics with the re- lovely nutrition clinic um, and also see clients privately too. So come and say hello. Yeah, do. Honestly, she's amazing. Um, Kath, thank you so much for coming on Food for Thought. Thanks for having me. If you're enjoying Food for Thought, hope so, (laughs) you'll love the upcoming episodes. So if you don't already, please subscribe. Make sure that you click to be the first to hear it each Monday. There's a lot of podcasts out there now, and I really hope that we're maintaining the ultimate research and the ultimate guest to make sure that you're getting the best experience possible. So if you're having a good time and you're learning lots, please do leave a review if you can, so we can reach those higher highs in the charts and ultimately get to reach more people. That's what it's all about. And for more information about my best-selling books, the science of nutrition, of course, uh, deliciously healthy pregnancy, the Retrition Clinic, recipes, so much more, just head over to retrition.com and follow me at Retrition on all social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.